And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who's got a bracket with a whole lot of bustas. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right, Kieran. So glad those poor kids from Princeton finally get a break in life. <laughs> Shout out to various uh, co-workers and colleagues that you have across the sports media landscape who... They got to see their Mizzou Tigers uh, fall and Syracuse not make the tournament. So uh, makes us as Oklahoma State alums feel maybe just a, a tad better. But real journalism schools play in the NIT, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are only two weeks away from opening day, which, you know, as I kind of look forward into like my mental calendar, you know, I'm going to be in Detroit for the home opener and all that stuff. And I'm like, wow, I should make sure I, I got to get a new, new luggage. I got to make sure I have all these, like, I got to get more pants because like right now I'm wearing shorts and then I'm about to go up to Detroit. Chances are, I don't think I'm going to be wearing shorts all that much, uh, up in the motor city, but it's coming quick. We're recording this Sunday morning because Cody's flying back to Lakeland. So if there's anything that happens later in the day, uh, that's why we're not talking about it. But I imagine you're pretty excited to go from, like I said, frigid, frigid, icy Michigan back down to Lakeland. You know, they probably had to pull your arm a little bit to get down there. You know, coming back was terrible and then you kind of get used to it and then you have just a couple bad weather days in a row and it's like okay no I'll, i'm ready <laughs> to go back to florida yeah well the the tigers roster is kind of dwindling a little bit as they you know send guys to to minor league camp and kind of make room for more opportunities for these roster battles and, and we'll get to that in a second but i wanted to start like a little bit of a Cody, with a broader discussion about the World Baseball Classic. Uh, number one, I don't feel like it's been promoted that well, and maybe that's, as I've talked about before, maybe that's a result of me not having an LB Network because I'm a YouTube TV, TV subscriber. Uh, that could be part of it. Also, I thought the United States playing in the Western time zone kind of you know, we got games starting at nine o'clock central time. I just don't feel like that's going to be good for the kids to want to watch their favorite players, you know. And also, even on the MLB app, like, I feel like there's like two more steps than necessary to like look at the scores and the bracket and, and all that stuff. But it was in the news a lot, and there's a Detroit tie to this as well. Uh, with the is this necessary question and is it good questions that were coming out, especially when Eduardo Rodriguez and I believe Miguel Cabrera were, you know, it was reported that there was some reps limitations for them as uh, Venezuela moved on, and then obviously last night was eliminated by the United States in the World Baseball Classic, and the Tigers caught a lot of flack for that, but it was short-lived flack because unfortunately uh, Edwin Diaz, the, the trumpeteer closer for the Mets, hurt his knee um, in a celebration, kind of one of those, you know, jump, group jump celebration things. You couldn't even see it on camera. Very unfortunate. Good thing he got his money. So, um, you know, that's, so he's not losing anything on that. So that's good for him. But it got, it sparked a lot of discussion of, like I said, about the necessity of this thing and the timing of this thing and, and all that stuff. And we had talked about it a little bit a couple, 
couple weeks ago about how we liked it here. There wasn't that much in the sports calendar, and it gave us an opportunity to see high-level competitive baseball when we normally wouldn't. And obviously there are risks associated with it. But I got to say, I don't... I'm not really here for anyone criticizing, like, the merit of the World Baseball Classic. To me, it's... Every time you turn it on, it's incredibly fun. You see all these nations and their rabid fan bases and how much the players really care. I mean, not to dig at the Angels, but nice to see, like, Mike Trout playing some postseason baseball, if you would, and how into it he is. And and you see Javi Baez and, and Puerto Rico and all that stuff. Like, it is a great exhibition of baseball in its purest form just you know playing for your country and we don't get that obviously otherwise so to me like yes there's going to be injury risk for everything but i i'm not here for the world baseball classic to be put to blame for this it's there is some awkwardness with again like pitching and reps and all that stuff i understand but to me this is a great thing for baseball and i just don't know if there's really that much merit to criticize it being a thing does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I, I agree it's been poorly promoted. I think more people should be watching this. The USA-Venezuela game this weekend was a terrific baseball game. Um, yeah, in general, the promotion just doesn't seem to be great. It's, it's kind of unfortunate that now we get into the games that matter and it overlaps with March Madness. But again, there's not really a great time to do it unless maybe a little earlier in the spring. But yeah, this whole, you know... I, question about the merit of the WBC I don't really get uh, I wish there weren't restrictions on players and I don't think that uh, details about what was going on with Miguel Cabrera were ever confirmed so I don't want to misstate anything there and also Venezuela's out of the tournament so now it doesn't really matter but to me this whole to me it's like should Riley Green not dive in center field like that's like I hate that discussion and I hate I think Players should either play or not play. And if you're going to play, I don't think you should have restrictions, and I think you should go all out, and uh, I don't think you should let fear of injury override the World Baseball Classic. And if you're scared about getting injured or if you're a team and you're, you're worried about your players getting injured or having some sort of restrictions, you should not allow them to play. I think it should be an all-or-nothing deal. Um, I don't like that teams end up limited, that some players might be afraid to really... I don't know. These guys on Team USA are giving a, a thousand percent, though. Like you said, Mike Trout's as fired up as I've ever seen him, and and so that's been a lot of fun to watch. So it, something that you gotta keep in mind, like baseball, basketball is like this. I don't know if hockey's like this. I don't know hockey as well. Football, it's not just because of the nature of the game. Soccer, this applies. Players want to play, man. Like players want to play, and if like in the off season, all you do on all you see on uh, Twitter is like. You know, the L.A. fitness runs of all these NBA players, you know, it's like they're risking injury too. like players want to play, you know, and this gives these guys an opportunity to play for something that's unique and special. And I think great for the game. Great to showcase if it were better promoted. It it is something that like I think it's an interesting point that you made there, actually, with like all or nothing, because I don't in theory have like a problem with some sort of like stipulation stuff. But at the same time, because, you know, the risks are there. But at the same time, I do, I, yeah. can you imagine the flack 
if you're like telling players they can't play, you know, like oh, that yeah. would be, that'd be, <laughs> that would, that'd be a huge pushback. And, you know, it's not like this thing's every year, but you know, it could hurt your organizational reputation a little bit, you know? And, and that's, I think one of the concerns that Tiger's Twitter had for, you know, these restrictions on Erod or allegedly on Miguel Cabrera and, and all that stuff. But I think, like I said, the world baseball classic is a fun thing. You, you got to see, you got to see Javi Baez kind of, in the news, if you would, for everyone, like everyone in the WBC world loves Javi Baez. Yeah. Take, take note, Tigers. <laughs> Tigers yeah. fans. It was almost like, is this the same guy that all I see, <laughs> like uh, all the love he gets on Twitter? Like here in a month, that will be gone, you know, because he, you know, he had that home run, he had that wicked, you know, pop up slide thing, you know. I mean, that's Javi being Javi. Hopefully, that translates uh, over. And like I said, I just think overall, it's a good thing. Other order of news, Cody. Uh, unfortunate news. Not going to be seeing Jackson Job here anytime soon. And man, man, oh man! If they, I, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him because he was not asked to be picked third overall, or he didn't ask to be picked third overall. Like he was selected where he was selected, and he, you know, it's not his fault that. Meyer was available and then therefore like he's always going to be compared to him it's not his fault but man like I don't know if there's a worse way barring something like really catastrophic to start out like a career where people are saying that you have to be Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander to even justify your draft spot and then you can't you know you go through just the regular struggles of being a teenage professional ball player Show some promise. He should be, quote-unquote, in the best shape of his life. I think people reported that he looked really good um, at the beginning of spring training, and now he's going to be out for this vague injury. Well, the timeline's vague. Three to six months doesn't get much more vague than that. Lumbar spine inflammation. Just just tough. Just tough for – I feel for the kid and then for the Tigers – just uh, another example of like the past couple of years of just not being able to have things go your way because of the decisions that you make. So really, really tough for the kid. Yeah. And things were really starting to trend up with Jackson Job. He finished last year strong. He came into spring early reports where he were, he was looking good. It, he seemed to really be building off his progress last year. Um, and yeah, the injury is kind of vague to you know lumbar like i went for a run a couple days ago i felt like i had some lumbar inflammation going on but i'm not gonna miss three six months so i <laughs> obviously it's uh, i assume it's it's serious for him to be missing that much time but uh like 19 20 year olds with with back injuries also seems rare to me so i wish i knew a little bit more about what the deal is and, and why it's going to cost him so much time. It's really unfortunate. Joe might not throw a pitch all season. I mean, I, three to six months, I guess it's possible he pitches down the stretch. It's also possible he does not throw at all. And then you're losing a pretty crucial year of development, kind of starting this process all over again next year. Not great, Bob. Yeah, and also on that injury report was Dylan Dingler. Not nearly as serious, but it looks like he had a little bit of a knee procedure. Um, I think it was a couple months. Is that or a couple? Like I think it said four a, weeks until month. he he returns to a basically a program that ramps him back up to play. 
but that's not great for Dylan Dingler, another guy, pretty big year in his development, and he's probably going to get a late start to the season. He struggled last year. He really was not much of a conversation piece this spring after, you know, if you think of all the hype that was around him this time last year, we haven't talked a lot about Dylan Dingler, and I don't know that he had really been doing a ton to stand out otherwise in spring training, um, which now maybe it makes sense. The guy's probably battling some knee pain the whole time. I mean, he's, maybe this is hyperbole, but he's in danger of sort of being lost in the shuffle, you know, like you're, you haven't, like when he got sent down, AJ had some pretty like explicit quotes about like, we had, you know, stern conversations about what he needs to do. And like, it it seemed like forceful is not the right term, but it seemed like something where they were, it was pretty close to a come to Jesus moment for for Dylan and and now this you know potentially could be another setback and with a new regime and the way the game is trending in terms of what the skill what the skills of a catcher are like he's got to be able to hit and I don't want to write off tingler catchers especially development can be a weird process uh there were times that Jake Rogers was written off multiple times, and now we're like, oh, does he need to be getting more at-bats than Eric Haas? So uh, plenty of time for this to play out, but it, it doesn't – not a great development in what's been not a, a very good past year for, for Dylan overall. Yeah, so let's go. Let's talk about some more fun things. I feel like this has been a little bit of a, a downer start. Uh, <laughs> it is a Tigers <laughs> podcast. It is a Tigers podcast. Uh, I – you know, we're gar- so starting to get more roster projections from, you know, your fellow beat writers and stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting to see, like, where they line on, you know, things like the Badoo Carpenter thing, which you wrote about Carpenter this week. And, and we talked about last week about how it just it just kind of feels like Badoo makes more sense. But at the same time, I don't want to write off Carpenter. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Either way, they're going to get their at-bats uh, in the major, major leagues this year. I look at how you construct this roster, and I try to take in things that, like, Scott Harris has said and things that A.J. Hinch has said. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out, like, what their best move is. And I'm a big believer in the phrase, people show you who they are, believe them. So the ultimate example with, the, with this Tigers team is no other first baseman but Torque. By the way, shout the torque. He's connecting, like I, I believe, like we said last week, got his first home run uh, here yesterday. I believe it, it's going to be fine. He's going to go through the struggles, but I think we can alleviate our worst concerns for spring training. So move, move on from torque. But they didn't add anybody else, any competition or anything. So that was them saying, "You're our guy." Scott Harris used this term, and you put it in your mailbag this week, talking about earmarking at bats. And if you look at the amount of young slash, you know, got to figure out guys, like especially in the infield, you know, you're going to have Scope, 31, right, at second base. Baez, 30, shortstop. You know, obviously got Maton, young guy, is going get, to uh, get his reps there, and then Torque on the corner. But then, what is this Cesar Hernandez thing? I can't, I can't wrap my mind around what they do with Caesar and what that says about this team. So let me, let me kind of talk this out and then, and I'll ask you to, 
Tell me where I'm wrong, Cody. Caesar's 30, 31. He's basically just a second baseman. They try him at third. You said that he doesn't look that comfortable, but maybe that will come with time. Who knows? He doesn't have a long-term future with this with this organization. But all he's done in this camp is rake. I think he's hitting like 340. He's got like seven doubles. Uh, yes, it's spring training. I know. I'm not trying to dive too deep into the stats. But like the dude's done nothing to not make this team. And... And he's a switch hitter, so there's value there in terms of, of, of the roster construction. But is that really the best benefit? I, I, I don't know. Is it better to just kind of give Kreidler his real shot after coming back from injury last year? Is it, uh, is it better to you know, give Lipschitz his opportunity that fans ha- have long awaited? Is it, is it better to... I know we dismissed this notion last week, but is it better to cut scope and then make Caesar your old second baseman? You know, like there's just like all these things that you could that you could do with Caesar Hernandez. And to me, if he makes the team, which I'm which I do believe he deserves, but if he makes the team, is that not slightly contradictory to this earmarking at bats for young players, or as you put it in your mailbag, Cody? the sink or swim element that this new regime wants to uh, wants to go through, which I am in favor of. That's, I think, exactly what this season ought to be. But I also, I'm not in the business of trying to not have productive hitters on my team, you know? So I, I, I just feel like they're going to tell us a lot with what they decide to do with Caesar. That, that's sort of my thing, because I can as I just literally did, can talk myself into so many lanes and avenues and twists and turns about what to do with that spot. But it, it would feel funny if I were to just kind of say like a blanket, simple statement that doesn't have any context. All right, so we got to get young players at, at bats, right? Yeah, 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 we do. All right, so we're going to have two 30-year-old second basemen. Yep, sounds good. Boom. Neither one of them project long-term to be on the team. It'd be like, that would be kind of weird. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think pay close attention to this decision. I think it will tell you a lot about how Scott and AJ view this team and, and the state of this organization. To me, I don't think it's as complicated as a discussion as we're making it. I, this is just my personal philosophy. I think you take the best team north. You put the best players on the field, especially at the start of the season. It's 0-0. Zero, zero. The goal should be to try to win baseball games, and I think right now Cesar Hernandez uh, gives you a better opportunity than Ryan Kreidler to do that, and I think Ryan Kreidler is a, a good ball player with a very bright future. Um, he's also coming off a, a really tough year in which he was injured a lot, missed a lot of time, got off to a slow start in spring, has since picked it up. Um, all sounds like a guy who could benefit from a little time in AAA to me. I'm also not... a in much favor of the big leagues being a learning lab, especially on opening day. Uh, It's a long season. If the Tigers are out of it by May again, God forbid, then the conversation changes. Then you start having, okay, like, let's get Kreidler up here. Let's figure out what he can do, you know, late in the summer. Guys are going to get injured. I'm pretty sure one way or another we'll probably see plenty of Ryan Kreidler 
in the major leagues this year. Um, I think for now, Cesar Hernandez has earned a roster spot, and I think you give it to him, and you see how the season plays out. But that's just me. There are a lot of other scenarios arising that this new kind of thing do the Tigers actually need uh, to worry about having right-handed bats on the team when they're only like two lefty starters in the AL Central and they're, they both play for the Royals. But we have a balanced schedule now this year. There's also this thing called lefty relievers, so I'm not super a, a fan of that roster construction, but that's another, that's, um, another talking point that has arisen over the past few days. I still am not sure if the Tigers know exactly what they're going to do. Some of these decisions are going to really come down to the wire. Yeah, and you, know, you used that term there, earn. That was a big talking point when we first started this pod when it had to do with Akil Badu. But, again, I'll go back to what the few things that Scott Harris has kind of gone on the record about, and, and A.J. Hinch is comfortable, you know, talking about to a certain extent before he goes into word salads um like what like why'd you invite caesar hernandez to camp if he's not a real candidate to make your team if you just want to play ryan kreidler and zach short and andre Lipschitz, then like why why even bring these other guys in no uh, look uh, yeah i agree with that because if you remember when they signed him i i said just very basic like looking at you know his career i was like this guy's a player like he's gonna play you know, and, and, and I'm in favor of that. And like I said with the earn thing, like, they had talked about, like, bigger picture stuff in terms of making this team. And there's there's no actual bigger picture with Hernandez making the team. Not to say that he doesn't deserve it. I would have him there because he's proven that he is, you know, better right now than than his competition. But I just think, like, it would, it would still kind of be an odd fit for what they kind of have sold us on thus far. And, and yeah, and like I said, a lot of this stuff we, we have to talk about now. We have to kind of get outraged and, 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 and put our foot down on certain things. And it's not really going to matter if someone's going to get hurt. Guys are going to get their opportunities. But I just think there there is still this, like, there is still this sentimental, emotional thing about, like, making the team. And I do agree. Like, see, yeah. see, they brought him in for a reason, and he's pro- and he's proven why. I don't know. No, and that's a good point. Here, here we are. We're getting fired up about it on podcasts, and and everyone's doing the same thing for all thirty teams in the league. When uh, this notion of the opening day roster is is almost a little bit mythical, like it it gets disproportionate attention for how much it actually matters. The roster is going to change. I think AJ Hinch has already alluded to the fact it could change after. The Tigers' first road trip, you know, there are going to be adjustments. The roster is a pretty fluid thing all throughout the season. And just because someone starts with the team definitely does not mean they will finish with the team. And that, that's important to keep in perspective, um, especially these back-end roster discussions. For sure. So in, in the spirit of Scott Harris saying that we're earmarking at bats for young players, I have a list of guys that are the, quote, ear marquees or ear markers and see if i'm missing anybody here ryan kreidler parker meadows this is in no order just kind of listen them out jay hen andre lipschitz nick maton matt veerling and i put badu and carpenter on there as well obviously young guys like torque and green are going to get there at bats i didn't feel the (laughs) feel the need to to write them down uh does that seem like a couple 
comprehensive list. Anybody I'm missing yeah, there? I mean, that sort of... Jake Rogers isn't so young anymore, but he's very much in the, you got to see what you got. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if there's an injury, I'm sure we'll see Donnie Sands in the big leagues at some point this year. And he, he could uh, slide in that list as well. Uh, but I, th- I think those are the main candidates for sure. Any other uh, carry or not carry? Yeah, any other Carpenter thoughts? Uh, a week later, because uh, I because I, I'll, I'll say this: I'm strong in my Badoo conviction. Ish. Oh, I, think this is... I, like, I, 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 <laughs> I I could I could be swayed. I could be swayed. I think this has played out a lot like I thought it would. We've seen Akil not totally light it up, not totally hit well, but. Man, when he does something, it's exciting. And we've seen him, you know, create some havoc on the base paths. I said from the start for Carpenter to get on this roster, I think he's going to have to hit so well that you just can't leave him off. Well, Carpenter's hit a little bit, you know, but he looks like in an ideal world, he's more of a DH bat. And unfortunately, there's just not really a a, a role for him um, right now. Again, I'm sure we'll see plenty of Kerry Carpenter this year. Um Right now, I would take one of those guys, and I would take a kill, but two. Okay, the, well, the DH thing, because you had a question in one of your mailbags about, like, when is Miguel Cabrera's last game? Like, how many games does he play? And I'll be very curious to see, like, what his sort of rotation is. I, I wish there was a world where the platoon DH, if you would, is not giving Jonathan Scope a rest from playing second base. Like, I wish it was a carpenter. You know what I mean? But it, it I think AJ had said, like, it was in your story, is, like, he's too young to be, like, you know, focusing on, you know, a DH role or whatever. And to me, it's like, I don't know. That that seems a little arbitrary to me. Uh, not, to, not to criticize. Yeah, I think that was, like, probably, I don't know if AJ phrased that the best. I think he was basically saying, like, this guy still has time to learn and improve and get better at defense, and we want him to work on that rather than okay. just say, all right, well, forget it, we'll DH you. Because, um, yeah, there shouldn't really – look, if the guy makes sense as a DH, he should be able to DH. Um, but I think the point, like I said, was more more about like yeah. development. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, don't stop trying to improve your defense. But, yeah, right, but, right. But, but at the same time, if, if again, if, he's, if his hit tool is good enough, I like that better – Especially when Jonathan Scope wasn't really hitting all that well last year. Like, I, I, it, when Gabriel Cabrera's on going to be in the lineup, I'd at least have, like to have someone with, like, a higher hitting potential than Eric Haas. No offense to Eric Haas, but you see what I'm saying? Like, I just like that a little bit better, but... Yeah. And Eric Haas, Kerry Carpenter, who's, who's better? I don't know. Haas got a pretty good bat. Doesn't get on base a lot, but... He does. I'm not sure that Kerry Carpenter would post a better... A better year than Eric Hosk in the same number of bats. I mean, maybe. I guess that's part of the earmarking thing. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, the 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 Haas thing is starting to pick up a little steam here about like how many games is he really going to catch? We're starting to maybe that's just a sign that we just need to get to the regular season. Is that we're? <laughs> I th- I think that's actually a really good way to put it because yeah, now there's this whole like should Jake actually be the starting catcher? And I'm not fully buying into this narrative either. It does. I think it's a, I think it's just a, everyone's getting antsy and we're looking at things to talk about and Jake's had a good two weeks in spring. So now we're, you know, back to anointing him as like, this is the guy. (laughs) And, and Jake's been, Jake's done great this spring. He deserves all the credit. It's actually been a really good story. 
coming back from Tommy John. Uh, Eric Hoskin hit, as I was just saying. I think you want him in the lineup. I'm not sold on this Eric Hoskin is going to play left field thing because AJ said that every year and it hasn't actually happened all that often. Um, you know, it might be a good idea playing Eric Hoskin at first base, but that's something that also never <laughs> actually happens. So I think you're going to want his bat. Jake's defense is does make a difference. I think also this notion of like a starting catcher is kind of a myth. I think these guys are going to play um, a lot. You know, if you look at when they were on the same roster in 2021, it was almost a pretty even split. Um, we will see how things shake out uh, right now. I, I think I would start Eric Haas behind the plate on opening day for the symbolism of he's your your opening day guy and see what happens from there. See who's hot. See who's, who's playing well. Is Haas actually improved defensively? There's a lot of questions still to answer. So I don't think anyone should be labeled, you know, this or that. Okay. So on that note, two things that I'm not all that interested in. One of them, no interest. The other one, eh, I'm not interested in Eric Haas playing left field. I'm just not. Uh, I feel like you've got an accumulation of players that uh, are either A, capable, or B, you got to figure out, and having your catcher go to the outfield, I know you want to get his bat in the lineup. I just don't... There are some things that this team has advanced beyond, in my opinion, and that should be one of them. Like, be the everyday catcher. A first base, fine. But the thing is, like, if I want to give Haas some rest, I don't want him running around, like, when he's a catcher. You know what I mean? Like, that, there's that part of it I have, like, zero interest in. Uh, so, so, maybe this is a case where just Jake is just so good or, or like, has such a great rapport with, you know, a particular pitcher. I don't know where you might have to do that. Maybe injuries force it. But to me, I just... We, we can move past it. We can move past... I know this wouldn't happen in a real game, but we can move past having Zach Short in left field. Like, we can move past uh, Eric Haas. You know what I mean? Ryan Kreidler in center. Like, some of that stuff is all well and good for spring, but let's, let's get serious here. Um, <laughs> so I just had to get, get that off my chest. But speaking of outfield, you know, another guy that is on the EM list I just said... I is is it wrong for me for being just like a little bit like kind of cautiously concerned for Matt Veerling? Not because of anything other than this knee injury that he had, a sprain, I believe it was, and he's kind of I guess some of those injury reports kind of run together. So forgive me if I miss like one of the later ones, but it's like it's just kind of progressing through his rehab program. He is he is progressing through a return to play progression, uh, progressing through a progression. That's that's true. Uh, so, you know, it's a guy that I, you, most people who follow this team have penciled in as one of your corner spots in your quote unquote everyday lineup, and that still may be the case. I'm not doubting like whether he'll be productive this year. I'm doubting whether this is going to be a productive start because it seems to me he just hasn't had that many reps. And when's the last time you heard anything? Yeah, obviously, it's because he's hurt. You'll only hear when he's like, you know, these updates. But, you know, 
any sort of play regarding Beerling, it, it just kind of feels like it happened a while ago. And so I'm a little concerned in terms of him being able to hit the ground running uh, to start the year. I think that's a fair concern. According to the Tigers injury report, Veerling is completing all pregame activities. He is scheduled to start a game progression this weekend. So he's progressing through his return to play progression and will now start a game progression (laughs) that he will progress through and hopefully will show progress. Uh, (laughs) uh, So I don't know. He's still going to have like a week or so to get back in the swing of things. Maybe that'll be good. I think your point is very fair. When a guy misses time in spring training and then comes back, it's almost can feel like starting over a little bit. So could he get off to a slow start? That is certainly possible. Um, Assuming he does indeed getting the game soon, this weekend would seem to indicate Sunday. So I don't know if he's in today's lineup or not. Uh, It's actually released. Maybe I should look at this. Uh, there, there's still time for him to, you know, kind of reacclimate and we will see what happens. Matt Veerling is not in the Sunday starting lineup, though. So Yeah, well, can't progress too fast, you know. Uh, <laughs> because, like, obviously, obviously, I have no idea what the extent of this injury is, and it seems like he's on the right path. But if he weren't 100%, it, you know, might be the smart move to start the season with Carpenter and Badu. Or, you know, some combination thereof with, you know, some of these other guys, and then you have a completely different roster by the time you go down to Houston. You know, like, like there's there there's a world where that exists, I think. Mm-hmm. And it might be one of those things that kind of benefits the team, and as long as, obviously, you want Matt to get healthy or whatever, but I don't know. I just feel like he hasn't... He hasn't been talked about as much uh, from from when we started, and you know that part of that is just how great Maton's been so good. There's been no reason to take him down on the HKG ratings, you know, like it, like he 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 remains number one. Uh, also, shout out to the official roster of the Detroit Tigers on the MLB app for still listing Maton as a right fielder. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> like, like, uh, it's like, where is he in this uh, in the infield section? You know, like <laughs> right field. Get the... Uh, but but yeah, and another guy that you know we just kind of go down the line here. We're gonna talk about Andre Lipschitz here in a second, but is he is he positioned now to be? First, first phone call. Uh, if if you know someone gets hurt in the infield, is that is that where we can put him at, or is he maybe a tier below? Okay, okay. Here's a fun discussion where there's all this talk about Kreidler. Let's say Kreidler does not make the opening day roster. Let's say Jonathan Scope gets injured. Who are you bringing up, Andre Lipschitz or Ryan Kreidler? I would bring up Lipschitz. Let's say let's say you're a month into the season. Lipschitz has fairly better numbers than Toledo. I'm bringing up Lipschitz. So why are we trying to put Kreidler on the opening day roster if we're going on who's you have the most faith in right now? I think it'd be Lipschitz. Yeah. yeah. Well, part of that is I think obviously the people in the organization aren't thinking this way because they look at it. But I think Lipschitz is like 
there hasn't been a huge buzz like there was like a Chrysler that like people haven't gotten accustomed to thinking like why aren't they call you know no one's calling in to the fan and being like why aren't they calling up Lipschitz you know uh, <laughs> oh they will oh they will just give it a couple weeks <laughs> but but yeah it, yeah I like I said earlier about the Chrysler thing and to his credit he did get I think a couple extra base hits since I said this statement but. You know, I was afraid we were just kind of going down the wrong path for Kreidler there. And, yeah, and, and when you yeah. have Lipschitz right there, who also was a well-invested college draft pick, you know. So it, it's it's not like he's 19. You see what I'm saying? So I, I just think that's uh, that's worth mentioning there. Uh, Zach Short's hitting 300. No one wants to give Zach Short any flowers. <laughs> he is. He he controls. He controls the strike zone. I mean, come on. All right, here here we go. I'm gonna just. He take can play. He can play want. left just, field. What do I? Just, just. I I'm just gonna ask you. Why is Zach Short on the forty man? I just want you to. I just want you to cook for a second. Give me this. Why is Zach Short on the forty he's man? A par golfer. You gotta have that guy around. You gotta have him go to some golf outings. You know that's that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I seriously think probably Scott Harris came in and was like, oh, this guy walks, this guy has a little power. I know we've seen him strike out at a ridiculous rate, but uh, I, I think Scott must have been intrigued by that a little bit, and Zach's having a nice spring, even though he has struck out 13 times um, in 37 plate appearances. But um, no, the chances of Zach Short actually being realistically in this conversation are not great, but... Again, we're talking about all these guys, but no one talks about Zach Schwartz. So I'm just, I'm just giving Zach Schwartz some flowers right, right here. That's fair. That's fair because I think we're all guilty of Zach Schwartz. Spring is probably a great example of like short term versus long term evaluation. Like if you're hy- hyped about Zach Schwartz, you're probably fixating too much on thirty bats. Yeah. Well, that and we're just all guilty of kind of going to the shiny object. You know, uh, when it comes to roster evaluation, construction, and and Zach's a guy like he could do this for if you wanted to probably for another six years. Like he could just <laughs> you know be the, be this good defensive shortstop. Uh, you know, some defensive versatility in there, I suppose. He did Zach, make a nice I'm trying to get on the, the web.com tour, man. This guy's like a legit legit <laughs> golfer. That sounds like a great life. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know he'll he'll he'll. Not the last time we'll see him in a Detroit uniform. Uh, you know, he'll definitely come up at some point. And but I was gonna say, like, can you, can you is there any hype you can give me for Jay Hen? Because I just feel like it evaporated, and now I'm gonna have to wait. I don't know. Yeah, he ended up. He's he, like so. He stung a couple balls recently, so he's shown uh, some things I was very much waiting to see. I said that early in camp, like. Loki, he kind of just looks like another guy. Like I don't, I don't know. And then that's how it was in early spring training games. Uh, but maybe he just needed some time to heat up again. I think, I think we're at this point in camp now where we're all, we're just all putting a lot of stake in spring training, and it, it doesn't, you know, Jahan's calling card is controlling the strike zone. You know, good at bats. Probably some more subtle things. Um, nice to see him hit the ball hard a little more consistently, but we've seen, like we've seen with Torkelson that spring, sometimes when the guy starts clicking, you know, he, he doesn't look back. So, uh, no, I mean, I think, I think one thing we learned this spring, Justin Henry Malloy needs some time in the minor leagues for sure. 
Speaking of uh, giving flowers, though, I think we gotta give give some flowers to Matt Manning. Matt Manning, I wish if we if we did like drops on this podcast, we would probably have like you know the Matt Manning alert or something like that because we just kind of always find our way into talking about him, uh, even when you know there's not much to say. But it just, it, it, we just are attracted to the Matt Manning conversation, you know. And he, I believe it was on Friday, went nearly four innings, three and two-third, four, four strikeouts, uh, 59 pitches, got himself in a jam and got himself out of a jam. We talked about that with Turnbull last week, sort of figuring out a way, uh, in, like, you know, you're, it's spring training, right? But you're, like, kind of looking for things that translate. I thought Matt Manning showed some of that grit, toughness, uh, and and ball control, if you would, to be able to kind of get out of some jams. And I, that was as encouraging a sign. And he needed that, uh, I should also AJ say. AJ Hinch put him on notice a little bit, too. We were all sitting here, you know, obviously been been kind of tough on Matt in the pod and in writing. And then I even said, I don't think the Tigers actually have the, the, the stones to leave him off the opening gate roster. And I still don't know if they do, but AJ Hinch definitely had the stones to to basically say, running out of time, we need to see something out of him before his Friday outing, and sure enough, uh, more than the box score, again, a hit falls in, that line could have been blemished pretty pretty easily, but fastball was back, more 94-95, the slider looked good, he was using multiple pitches for the first time, I think that's definitely uh, encouraging, Joey Wentz threw some real nice pitches, but ended up getting roughed up, his line was not as good, so... Um, I don't know. Those things tend to work out in, in Matt Manning's favor. Um, these guys are going to have another outing, and I'm curious to see how it goes. <laughs> I, I, I kind of go back and forth. When I read, like, Manning quotes, I go back and forth as to whether, like, I'm like, eh, or, mm, all right, dude, all right. Because he's he always, I don't know how he says it because I'm just reading the quotes, so I don't know body language and tone and, you know, things like that. But he is always so confident. He's like, yeah, my stuff's good. It's been good. All right? I just got to do it. You know? And part of me is like, yeah, that's great. Another part of me is like, all right, well, if your stuff's been good, then we'd like to see some good results uh, more often. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I just There I, can be a hint of stubbornness there with young Matt. But, you know, if you were a... Uh, you had a two-sport scholarship offer and were drafted number nine overall, you might have an excess of confidence, too. I, I, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I mean that, in theory, <laughs> that is what you want. It's just at a certain point, I'd like that to maybe like evolve like slightly, but I don't know. I we just... all, everyone around the Tigers universe would like to see that next step for Matt Manning. I think we've talked about that a time or two before. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, precisely. Uh, also, I'm going through my notes. Do you here. know there's a good culture in the clubhouse. You know these guys want to win. I heard. I heard some of them are like brothers. Like they really they hang out off the field. It's kind of crazy. Play the game the right way. Do they play the game the right yeah. way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably play. Uh, they're so, so close. They probably play like Fortnite together. You know, it's it's really neat. Play cards on the on the team playing. <laughs> Cards are still a thing. Cards are still a thing in major league clubhouses because it's so boring. There's cards and chess uh, have, have stood the test of time, mm. and crossword puzzles. Crossword puzzles. Who's the best chess player on the team? Uh, Please no, say Miguel Cabrera. Really good. Oh, <laughs> I have never witnessed Miguel play chess. I don't. I 
have a hard time <laughs> thinking he knows the rules of chess. Scope, scope, I think is the best. Last year it was scope and your boy Derek Hill. Uh, D Hill's gone, so I don't know if anyone's dethroned scope yet. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely tell when you get to the dog days of camp when like the narratives start just being like very basic and you just tell like everybody's everybody's tired of of you know or i should say ready to go on to the real thing and you know podcasting we're in the dog days of podcasting camp so i figured all right well let's let's liven it up a little bit all right i wanted to do something uh a little bit a little bit different for this so we're gonna call this get your partner invested in the tiger so if you're like me and you spend a lot of time watching watching the Tigers. That's obviously a lot of games. Games will be shorter now, so that makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, traditionally games are long. And, you know, you want to... I was watching that WBC game, and it's for as great of a game as it was, I was like, <laughs> kind of wish they had the pitch clock here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so you want to... One of the things that I try to do is I try to find ways to get my wife, like interested in the Tigers so I can have it on TV and it doesn't, you know, doesn't take away from anything, if you know what I mean. So, uh, so I, so like I said, we're calling this, get your partner interested in the Detroit Tigers. So my wife and Cody's girlfriend came up with, uh, well, we asked them to, we asked them to come up with their five most liked tigers uh based on whatever definition they wanted they did it separately and then we have the list and uh and and we'll share it with you and then you can share it with your partner as a way to get them interested in the tigers now for the record a question if this was a progressive practice women can like sports and have a genuine knowledge of the game i'm sure we have some female listeners uh, so this is not to insinuate that women only like baseball to look at cute guys. Yes, but also, you know, we're going to talk about the stories of these guys. And, you know, if you're if you're a female who has a boyfriend or a husband that doesn't watch that much baseball, right. you can right. do you can do right. you can do this as well. So, so yeah, no, this is meant to be a, a, an inclusive practice here. Yes, exactly. So I'll read mine, Cody and uh, my wife's and then. Uh, and then you can read your girlfriends, and we can kind of compare. Like I said, they did this separately. Uh, my wife, she was like, well, what did she pick? And I was like, you don't get to know what she picked. This is <laughs> like uh, you – I don't want to – we're going to prejudice your mind. You have to do this independently, and then we look at it. So got seven names here, uh, semi-ranking, uh, and then two honorable mentions. So number one, or excuse me, number five, we'll count it down here. Number five, according to my wife, Matt Veerling, number five, coming in at number five. I think that's a little bit of an upset. Number four, Lipchis, Andre Lipchis, coming in at what? number four. What? Number four. And <laughs> number Alexis three. Alexis is calling up Lipchis. Lipchis. She, Put she, him on the roster. Yeah, she wants him on the roster. And for the record, what I did for this was had her look at like the headshots on the forty-man roster, just because obviously you're going to see them in a baseball hat when you're on the field. So I thought that was the best way. And then if she wanted to research more on her own, she could. So Lipschitz number four, number three, Tarek Skubal. Tarek Skubal coming in at oh, number number wow. three. 
she she likes the high leg kick. Uh, number two, Javier Baez. Whoa. Number two, okay. and and she has liked Baez since you know he came up you know uh, with that fun Cubs team and obviously eventually won the World Series. And number one, Wolfie himself, Nick Maton. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah I, I was surprised she hadn't mad at five i thought i was surprised lips just made it at all and uh and maton at number one i was like dang i was i was i was like all right all right you know i didn't want to prejudice her, her thoughts either so honorable mentions akil badu and riley green she said riley green has nice features and really nice eyes is what she said so, but and he's the best, the most promising player <laughs> in the franchise. How is he not top five? Come on. <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, yeah, but you, you couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't put him in the top five or his nice eyes. All right. And she also said, so it's funny. So she had Veerling on there, right? And Maton on there. But she also said that if Soto was still on the team, he probably would have been an honorable mention. She really did like Soto. Mm. Um, okay. So, uh, so yeah, so there you go. The according, according to my wife, Alexis, Veerling, Lipschitz, five to one, Veerling, Lipschitz, Scooble, Baez, Maton with Badu and Green as honorable mentions. That's so interesting. I'm not sure there's a consistent criteria there. Like some of it's based off like, are these guys just fun? Some of it's like, are they good players? Some of it's clearly like, it, did you find them cute? This guy's it's, it's interesting. It's a wide range. It's a wide range of and and I could tell you because I watched her like you know like go through this process. It's she was having fun with it. She was like giggling like a schoolgirl <laughs> doing it. So uh, so yeah, she she put some thought into it, and then I was like, oh well, you didn't have this person on there. And she goes, "What do you want me to put the whole team on there?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. What do you got? Uh, what do you got, Cody? All right, given given Andrew's list here. All right, well, we've got a bachelor reference, first impression rose going to Spencer Torkelson. Uh, she was big into Twerk last year when he was first called up. Um, he's no longer in the top five, so I don't know if that's performance related. I, I, I don't know. Number five, Spencer Turnbull. Look at that. Okay. I don't know that I was expecting that one, but but I like it. Number four, Akil Badu. Uh, I like that one. I think Akil's got to be in everyone's top five. Agreed. Number three, interesting one here, Alex Lang. Oh. Uh, the mock turtleneck gets the ladies. Okay. Uh, number two, Eric Haas. You know, good hitter. Flavor. Detroit guy, local flavor, manly dude. I, I like it. Number one, Matt Veerling. So, Matt Veerling, number one. And we've got an honorable mention. This one, not going to lie, this one stunned me. Chris <laughs> Fetter. Chris Fetter. Chris Fetter, baby. <laughs> Shout out to Fetter. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe maybe you could actually interview him if you tell AJ. It's like, hey, I just want to tell him that like my girlfriend put him as essentially number six on uh, most attractive members of the Tigers. And... <laughs> Maybe maybe AJ will hook you up so you get an interview that way. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's that that's that's what we've got. No Mick no Mick Nick Maton. Not on here at all. Very interesting. 
No Matt Manning on either of these lists. No Matt Manning. Yeah. I was I was surprised by that. And uh that and and yeah, and I think shout out to Lipschitz and Lang and you know, guys that you know coming out of nowhere. That that that's 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 beautiful. You know, you just never know who, who might, you know, who who might find you attractive, you know. So maybe that's some inspiration for, <laughs> for folks out there. But in terms of so we gotta go deep here. So that was just based on looks. But in terms of things that like could get you invested in like the people uh, uh, on this team, I mean the Veerling Maton thing speaks for itself in terms of like these are guys that you know it's kind of a unique thing to be in the same role with one team and then be traded together. Like I say the same role, I mean you know you know what I mean like bench players but valuable pieces and then be traded to another team in the same transaction. And then both find yourselves in the starting lineup. I mean, I think that's and and by all accounts, like it seems like they are actually like dude, you know, friends or whatever. They've had yeah. a very unique experience having minor leagues, run to the World Series, and then you know your life changes with a trade. Everybody's read the stories by now. I do believe it's real. Like they are fun guys to have in the clubhouse. Oh, definitely. So. I mean, I think that's worth uh, worth talking about. I mean, you're not going to be able to see Scooble for a while, obviously. The torque thing is interesting because what, what did you just talk about? It's like, all right, well, you know, it didn't hit so hot last last year. And so, like, is he, you know, the bounce back part of it, the comeback story, if you would, is obviously a very intriguing thing uh, in regards to Riley Green. Can he become... Uh, you know, chances are he's not going to be a superstar this year, but can he get on the verge of being a guy that his ceiling is a guy who can win an MVP, I think. And so uh, can he kind of take a step in that direction? You know, Javi Baez is just fun. Like, I, like if, if you aren't like invested, invested in how his strikeout rate and, and stuff but like if you just watch him play obviously we just yeah. talked about it with the world baseball classic if you watch him play you can't not like f- find that entertaining you know and, and, and especially in the field and then you know, you know so even at the plate you know if you again if you're not that invested you probably don't care about the amount of sliders down in a way that he swings and misses at but but he's he plays a very entertaining style so who else? Who else? Yeah, okay, so Jake Rogers, you know, coming back from Tommy John Turnbull. Jake Rogers. Co- com- coming, coming back from Tommy mustache. John. Oh, Andrew very specifically said no on all the mustache guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't ask specifically, but I think Alexis would have uh, strongly agreed with, the, with, with, with that sentiment. Um, These guys might want to reconsider the mustaches. <laughs> I don't think Jake cares. I. I could see Jake just finding like finding like the best biker bar in Metro Detroit and just doing very well. <laughs> I, 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 you're not wrong. Doing very well there. Um, but yeah, who else is you know some some great stories on this team? Miguel Cabrera again. Like we we get cynical about it, but he's still one of the greatest to ever do it, and this is his last hurrah. So I mean that's yeah. interesting especially when you get the honorary days and stuff like that yeah um carrie carpenter obviously a great story mm-hmm. kind of surprised carrie carpenter didn't make either of these lists too and guy who you know overcame the, the loss of his dad had a terrific year in the minors really worked to put himself on the radar and now he's got a shot to make the roster definitely one of the best stories carrie carpenter 
You know, I'm also a, a big fan of, like, you know, the Jonathan Scope story, I think, is interesting. You know, the fact that we've had to talk about it. I never thought we would talk about Jonathan Scope's, like, status on this team as long as we have on, yeah. on, on the podcast. But, you know, here's a guy that's well-liked, had a down year, and, you know, what, what's next for him? I, I find that very, very interesting. And... I love I love this anecdote from AJ. So Scope came back from the WBC and he did not hit well in the WBC. Uh, it sounds like in the team meeting they like I don't know if they showed all Scopes at bats or went over him. I don't know exactly what they did, but like basically teased him in front of the team for not drawing a walk. <laughs> well, that, that tells you how they're handling it internally. It's not like oh like screw Scope. They're like oh, we're gonna have fun with this and we're gonna make fun of him until he walks. <laughs> Genius motivation right there. I think that's probably one of the more pure forms of motivation is, like, I mean, <laughs> yes. anybody who's had buddies that, like, ride you for something, and then you're, like, it, either it's dressing poorly or not eating well or whatever, it's, like, that gets you that gets you motivated real quick. Uh, Matthew Boyd. Well, we tried that with our friend Tim for years. It didn't really help. But. <laughs> no, it didn't. There's exceptions to every rule. Uh, Matthew Boyd is a guy that uh, you can't not love the story. You know, it's like with the yeah. hu- the humanitarian uh, aspects of his life and the... That boy should be on one of these lists. Just the nicest dude of all time. Yeah, and one of the more fly guys on the team, you know. With hat- Dude's got some style. He's always got some cool kicks. Yeah, I, I, I he wears like Jordans away from the field. Shout out Matt Boyd. Yeah. Low key, low key, got some swag to him. Yeah, so I mean that's it. Gets, again, it gets cliche when you hear on every broadcast if you're watching every game. But in terms of just like getting people, you say like, "Oh yeah, that guy. Look, you know, he does this or whatever." I mean, that will get that gets people interested. And you know, the Eduardo Rodriguez thing is interesting too. If you have, if you can go a little bit deeper and talk about like his contract situation and like the year that he went through last year, and uh, I think we're all guilty of being kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? Just like we we're more dismissive of COVID now, obviously, than we were over the past couple years. And then here's a guy who went through almost the worst of it, and obviously besides you know dying yeah. or whatever, but went through a really hard hit him hard, you know, and he's overcome that. So like you know there there there's something there as well. And also you know AJ Hinch, AJ Hinch is a is an interesting person to kind of follow is like here's a guy who was star in high school and star in college and didn't have the pro career that was probably expected of him and went you know managed failed front office failed gets the thing with the astros and we know how that turned out and now he's in detroit i mean i mean that that's fascinating as well plus this you know coaching staff that that he's put together you know too you know fetter being a Michigan man, I don't, I don't know if that influenced uh, Andrea at all, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think there's a lot of fun storylines on this, you know. All right, I have a bone to pick with people I don't know on Twitter. I have no idea who you are, but on the Bally Sports Detroit like little bracket thing that they're doing uh, for Tigers players to see like who's the best, you know, whatever champion of. 
I don't even know what they're doing. Is it like just most popular player? Yeah, I, it's just it, like who do you it? like more or something? I don't know. But but they okay. they have Whitaker matched up or they did. I don't know. I'm not following this that well. I just saw this and it it, it sparked something in me. They have Whitaker matched up against Hank Greenberg, and I did the vote so I could see the result. And Whitaker was winning by a lot. I, yeah. I I'm a fan of Sweet Lou. Yeah. I don't. Recency bias. People, people. The Hank Greenberg has not played in too long. Uh, his legacy is like people just don't talk about Hank Greenberg a lot anymore. And I think it's more of just like a, unfortunately, you know. Like, yeah. Time passes and the guy's legacy fades, and most mostly people who voted were probably alive to watch Lou Whitaker. Yeah, play. I mean, so I get two. It. If we're talking about like who's the best player, that's like not even a, an two MVPs. So again, I don't know what the criteria. Hit fifty eight home runs in a season when no one was doing doing that post Babe Ruth. Uh, served our country in World War Two. Two time World Series champion, really bridged the. He, bridge the gap i mean uh between like a lot of great players uh, uh in, in franchise history and and i think one tigers went to four world series over that period i believe um but but, but one two 35 45 win 40 they went i think there was one other one maybe i'm wrong uh off the top of my head but yeah hank greenberg shout out hank greenberg friend of the podcast uh you don't need to be disrespected like that. I can't even find this bracket on Twitter, so I'm gonna have some some beef with this yeah. general this the general idea of this whole thing. Uh, thirty five, forty, and forty five. Also, when they open it in thirty four, okay. so thirty four, thirty five, forty, forty five. Yeah, four. Boom. I know my I know my stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Cody, you're gonna be going to Lakeland here. Uh, you're gonna be basically you know following the team around until they get back to detroit so uh just real quick we wrap up here what are you looking forward to the most being down in lakeland what do you want to see you know what do you want who do you want to talk to what, what what's going to catch your eye uh the redfish royale at harry's that's that's what i'm really looking forward to been missing my <laughs> meal one of the best meals ever so good uh had it like four times on my first trip down there from a baseball perspective, yeah, I mean, the roster battles obviously are probably the biggest talking point of the next week or so, and just the idea that we're finally getting close to real baseball, I think, is the most exciting part. Opening day is already sneaking up on us, and next thing we know, it's going to be here. Absolutely. Uh, only have one more podcast until wow. uh, until opening day, which is great to think about. So, Cody, this was a lot of fun. I want to thank everybody for listening, following on Twitter, at Cody David Hagen, at Kieran underscore Steckley, and at TurnCornerPod. Please subscribe on Apple and Spotify if you haven't done so already. Five-star review if you feel so inclined. Subscribe to The Athletics. You can read all of Cody's great content as we head into the regular season. And if you subscribe on YouTube, uh, we have a YouTube channel as well. So, for... Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week.